You're listening to episode 14 of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Bass Guitar Worship Blender podcast. I'm your host, Brent Hasiker. And before we get kicked off on this uh, episode, uh, I actually was kind of thinking about something. Um, I listen to a number of other podcasts, and a lot of them are secular music podcasts or bass instructors or things like that, and they interview other musicians. And so they're all talking about or lamenting the fact that they don't they don't have a gig right now because with COVID going on right now, and you know, there's really no live gigs, and it got me thinking that like not all churches are open right now but quite a few of them are and really the only quote unquote gigs that are out there right now are, are worship you know again gigs I know that playing on a worship team is not a gig but just to to use that terminology you know the only the only gigs right now are really worship teams and so I just thought that was really interesting because I wonder if that'll have any impact on musicians that that are you know in the secular world that if they'll you know, if we're going to have more of an influx of people going, well, gee, you know, I, you know, at least I can play if I, if I join a church and, you know, I at least have somewhere that I can play. So I wonder if we're going to get an influx of musicians into our ranks. Of course, you know, a lot of people will just be there in order just to, again, the quote unquote, have a gig, but will it lead to more of those musicians, you know, maybe possibly finding Jesus as a result? Also, will it mean that uh, worship teams or, or churches will have more more sway, more pull, more authority, whatever you want to call it, with uh, music stores, with music manufacturers. Because if we're the only ones that really have, again, quote unquote, gigs, then we're probably the, the ones that are, that are most looking for gear right now. So you would think that then music manufacturers and music stores would really be courting the uh, worship uh, musician or the worship teams or the the churches, so I'm just wondering how how all that's gonna gonna play out. If um, you know, if, if we're in a way, if if God's people now suddenly has become more uh, more important, I guess you could say, to the secular world um, by the simple fact that we're the only ones with gigs. Uh, so hey, how about that? Segment one, Brent buys a short scale base. Well, I went out and did it. I got bit by the uh, short scale base short scale bass bug I guess got a hold of me and I've had this uh, growing interest in getting a short scale for a while now it all started probably a few years ago when I was in a music store and I picked up a Mustang bass for the first time and I think I even 
uh, did a discussed it on an earlier podcast on I can't really remember how far back, but I talked about going to a music store and trying one out and thinking oh, I'm actually pretty impressed by by this bass. I didn't think I'd like a, a short scale as much as I do, and I thought oh it'd be, it's good to know. It's not something I I would actually buy, but you know years and years and years down the road if I decide to you know get a short scale base for the purpose of having something lighter and smaller you know as I get older I thought yeah that'd be way down the road but um, since I played it I, I I've played a number of other short scales too in music stores and whatnot I thought yeah, these are actually pretty cool I like these bases and then kind of what sealed the deal was on my church my Wednesday night church the other bass player there that I rotate with he plays Sundays I play Wednesday and he plays a short scale micro an Ibanez micro bass and um, it's a four string so I'm a five string player so I'm not fond that's one of the things that's kind of held me back on really getting more serious about them is because all the all the uh the uh, short scales that I've played have been four strings, and so that's a little awkward. Even a full-size bass and four strings just feels too small in my hands. I, I like a wider neck, and that's where the the five-string. That's actually why I started playing five-string. It wasn't because I wanted the extra B string, but just because I wanted a wider neck that would fit my hands a little bit better. So anyway, um, but he's got a uh, this other bass player at my Windsor Church. He's got a, a micro, and so I usually just to save myself from taking my full size bass to rehearsals, I would just play his micro at rehearsals, and kind of thought, you know, this thing kind of sounds pretty cool. And other than it being four strings, it's kind of fun to uh, to play. I just and also. I have to admit, as I get older, I realize, you know, my my joints just ache a little bit more than I'd like them to, you know, especially my finger joints. And as I'm playing and, you know, the more I play, the more they hurt. And it just seems like, you know, you know, I, you know, I hate to admit it, but we are getting older. And what I find is when I after rehearsals on the micro bass, I'm like, you know, my hands don't really bother me like they do if I was rehearsing on the full size bass. And so maybe I really need to kind of think about, you know, looking into a short scale bass and also the lighter weight. The micro is ridiculously light. It's just a tiny little bass. So it, it doesn't put any strain on your back or anything when you're playing it. So I finally thought, OK, I'm going to. I'm going to start considering this a little bit more seriously, and maybe I'll pick up a, a short scale bass to play around with. And they're, the good thing about them is they're pretty cheap, so that's nice. <laughs> and I really, out of all the short string, short screen, short scale basses that I've played, I definitely like the um, the Mustang the most. They're really just a really nice bass. They just I don't like four strings, and Mustang doesn't come in a five string bass. But there wasn't many options for five-string basses, and so I came across. Well, since I like the micro, I looked into the micro because I knew they had a five-string version. But that version doesn't have a PJ pickup configuration, which the four-string version does. And I really would like to have that particular pickup configuration, especially since I don't have a bass with a P bass pickup, and I've always wanted to try out a bass with a P bass pickup and never had the opportunity so I thought that hey this is a great opportunity to kill two birds with one stone and of course I also like jazz pickups in the bridge and so I figured you know that would be the that would be the great the, the that would be the best pickup combination to a get since I don't have a PJ pickup configuration or a bass with a, a P pickup in it so the micro 
five string. It doesn't, it's a different pickup configuration and it's all black, which is like, it kind of feels like you're playing a shadow because, you know, that doesn't stand out. I like a, I like a bass with some color, um, something that you can at least see the lines on. If you were playing a black bass, then I'd want to have like a white pick guard on it or something like that, just to break up the, the lines a little bit. So they kind of stood out a little bit better. I know that's a stupid reason to, to not be interested in a, in a, in, in, in a bass, but it looks like a good instrument, but I did some more looking around and then Ibanez actually had this other model, which um, is called the TMB35. And it's a Talman bass and uh, five strings. I thought, you know, $249, I mean, you can't really beat that. Um, that's a pretty cheap instrument. You know, so I did some research on it. I actually uh, got it over here in the corner. And pick it up, bring it over here. So. Yeah, here's here's the instrument. Of course, you can't see it because you're watching, you're listening to a podcast. So let me go put it back down because that was pointless to show you the bass when you can't see it. So anyway, the uh, it's a Talman bass, which. Um it, it, this is funny because actually when I was kind of a wannabe guitar player, or at least trying to write songs on guitar back in the 90s, I actually bought a Talman, an Ibanez Talman guitar. And it was a cool guitar, and technically I still own it, but a good friend of mine who's a really good guitar player actually has it on permanent borrow, as I say. Um, he's had it for about 15 years, so... But it's really... It's a cool guitar. Um, lipstick tube pickups in it, and just a really neat guitar. But as a bass, the Talman line is just... It looks... I don't know. It just doesn't look right as a bass, and so... I was a little leery of 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 the bass, and especially because this one only comes in mint green color, which yeah, uh, I'm not a big fan of. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, and, and they've got you know, I've been as on the the four string micros have a lot of different colors, and then they've also got the was it the mezzo bass line, which has got a lot of neat different colors, but I mean, mint green is the only thing you got on, on this one. So uh, I was like, okay. So <laughs> hesitated a little bit. And just again, because the Talman just looks, the Talman just looks kind of weird as a bass guitar. Uh, that Something about the headstock and the giant tuners on it just doesn't look right on it. And then on this particular one, which is funny, is because the headstock just looks enormous on it and it's in the big giant tuners on it and it's and then the smaller body and it just it really looks out of proportion but anyway I, I figured I'll give it a shot I'll you know 250 bucks I'll I'll see if a if a short string bass will will be something I can work with and since it's five strings which is what I wanted because the the idea here here's my thinking is that okay I don't want to you know, I'm keeping my bases. I, I love my, my full-size bases. I'll use those for services, especially on Sunday. But I'll do more rehearsing on a short scale and try that out and see if that's easier on my fingers so that I can play longer, so I can rehearse longer. And then also use it as like a beater base for taking to rehearsals. I can just throw it in a gig bag. It's lighter. I can take it to rehearsal, not worry about it as much because uh, for me, I have rehearsals after work. So I have to take my bass to work and then straight from work to rehearsal and carrying, you know, a music man bass and a hard shell case to work with you is kind of a pain. And then from there to rehearsal and, you know, it's heavy and blah, 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 blah. So 
I'm thinking, okay, this might be a, a cool idea is to, you know, just have a small little beater base and that's lightweight and throw it in a bag and, and go. So that's the plan. And then also to be able to have something that I can play for extended periods of time without wearing out my hands as much. So I've, I've only had it for a couple of days. I got it on Friday. Today's a Sunday as I record this. And so I haven't had a chance to take it to a rehearsal yet. But I've been playing it. I played it quite a bit uh, yesterday on Saturday and really played for a long time and, and it didn't seem to bother my hands as much. One of the nice things, too, is on the first five frets of the bass, you know, anytime you're playing that on a full size bass, man, that really can tire out your hands a lot faster where that's one of the nice things I like about a five string bass is, you know, adjusting up the uh, fretboard to make use of that fifth string for those notes that you normally be playing on the uh, first five frets of the uh, E string where you can just kind of move everything up, especially for our team. We play a lot of songs in B flat. So instead of being up near the nut of the bass, I can I can be up to the uh, the sixth fret on the E string and then work from there as my starting position for B flat. Um, so that works out really nice. And so, but on this bass, I can no problem moving back towards the nut and playing on those first five frets is is a piece of cake on that on that bass. And so, on the short scale, so that, I'm really liking that. So I'll do a follow up report on it, tell you how the short scale is working out for me, or if it's not, on a future episode. But something I wanted to bring up because. You know, as we age, and that seems to be a reoccurring theme here on the podcast, is is taking care of yourself as a player and protecting your body from from wear and tear. So if you're having some some soreness of your fingers, you're just feeling like you just can't play the bass as much as you used to or as, as much as you'd like to, I don't know, think about a, a short-scale bass. Like I said, I've only had it for a couple of days, but already I can see... This might be a good solution for me going forward to really extend my practice time and and uh, also just being a, a cheap beater bass that I can throw around without having to worry about lugging around my, my nice bases. So yeah, short scale. Um, this should be fun. Segment two, patience with packaging. When to unbox a new base. So in a previous segment, I just told you about the short scale bass that I got the other day. And I got it, uh, I actually got it from Sweetwater and had it shipped to me, actually had it shipped to my my work address. And so I got it on Friday, uh, late morning on Friday, and I had it open probably another, around lunchtime I, I, had, it, I had it open, was uh, checking it out. But, uh, and I know that there's there's a lot of discussion out there about when you're supposed to open a instrument that has been shipped from another location. And since it was from Sweetwater, I actually heard that Sweetwater recommends that you wait 24 hours until you open a an instrument that has been sent via mail. And the reason for that is because of the different temperature, you know, the differences in temperature from one location to another, the differences of humidity. And so you want to let the instrument acclimate before you actually open up the box and take it out and, and play it. Otherwise, you could have, you know, cracking and different things like that or shrinking of the wood or expanding or whatever, you know, different things that instruments like to do. And um, so 
why in this case did I not wait very long? Well, because it's a cheap pace and I, I, you know, it really, it's honestly, I was tracking it on Sweetwater with uh, FedEx and it was sitting in FedEx's facility overnight in the same town that I'm in. And then they just, you know, hold it over on the truck. And, and so by mid morning or whenever later, mid morning, whatever it was, uh, at my desk. So really had already been in our environment for a while. So I didn't really feel it was, I let it sit in, in the box for at least an hour or so before I, I then took it out there in our office just so it would be at room temperature. Um, but otherwise I, I really wasn't too worried about it. now if it was like a, you know, a really expensive instrument or like a custom built base or something like that, that I can't afford, um, I would definitely wait 24 hours and play it safe and, and, uh, really, really baby the instrument. But in this case, I didn't worry about it too much. And, and, and also it's, it made me think because every Sunday, every Wednesday, I, I take my instrument to another location. I go from my house, I put it in my car, I drive, uh, to church on Sunday and then take it out and go into a church environment that's got the AC blasting much colder than it is at my house. I, you know, I move it from indoors to outdoors, back to indoors. And yet we don't do that same kind of acclimation period when we open our bases at church. I mean, I, I go, I go right in and put my case down and open it up, take the base out and get ready for sound check. So I'm, I'm wondering how much that impacts our instruments too, just moving in those different environments. Like I'm here down in Florida Literally, there'll be times when I take my bass out to my car and in the 20 feet walking to my car because it's so humid, so humid that there'll just be like a whole layer of film or whatever you want to call it of, of moisture on the case by the time I get to my car. I mean, literally, you can like, you know, use your finger and write a little smiley face on the case on the condensation of water that collects in that short a period of time. Uh, of course, it's in a hard case, so it, you know. I don't, I think it's pretty well isolated from, from any of those elements and it, you know, but anyway, so it just got me thinking, well, how much does travel really impact your instrument and moving from these different environments? I do know that, you know, once I get to church, the, you know, cause they, that's when they start cranking the AC, it's not as cold in the 830 service as it is at our 11 o'clock service by 11 o'clock service, it's freezing and I do notice that I have to watch my tuning on my bass because usually as, as, as it gets cold, you know, the, the, uh, the, the pitch of the instrument will change. And so I'm usually 15 minutes before we go on stage to play, I'm up there just, you know, playing my bass, keeping it warm. So, and then retuning right before we start so that I'm, I'm sure that, you know, it, it's going to play in the right pitch. So anyway, I, I'm just thinking out loud because I, I was just curious, you know, because, you know, is that something to worry about? Do we have to worry about our instruments and is it overkill that, that music stores like Sweetwater are telling us to wait 24 hours before we open a new base that we got in the mail? I don't know. Just, uh, just thinking about it. So, um, yeah. What do you think? Segment three, misinformation on 6-8 time. All right, 6-8 time. Let's talk about 6-8 time real quick here. 
a lot of worship songs. They're in 6-8 time. No problem there, um, right? We all play 6-8 time. Um, but it's funny how... Uh, how there's some misinformation out there on 6-8 time. And obviously most of us probably know it's the, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six. You got, it's not, you know, a lot of people confuse 6-8 time with three, four. Um, they'll think it's one, two, three, one, two, three, but it's really one, two, three, four, five, six. Accents on the one and the four. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. But what's funny is here's where the information, this, the misinformation comes into play. And <laughs> this is Planning Center. So if you ever, if you, if your team uses Planning Center and you pull up a song, now Planning Center has a built-in metronome. Hey, that's cool. Um, you can just, for any song you're working on in Planning Center, you know, I've got it up here on my iPad. You pull up the metronome so you can play along to a metronome, but six, eight times sometimes is a little goofy on Planning Center as I've found out. We actually were in rehearsal the other day doing a song called Never Lost, which is, I think, a new, ele- yeah, it's a new I don't know if it's a new song, but anyway, it's an elevation worship song, of course. You know, we play a lot of elevation worship. Um, and so um, we were going through it, and our worship leader wanted to say, hey, we, you know, let's do, do a play this, let's play to a metrodome so we can, you know, make sure we've got our timing tight on it. I said, yeah, just pull it up on Planning Center. They got a built in metrodome, no problem. Okay, so uh, we we're going to run that through the system. But here's, here's the interesting thing about how Planning Center put six, eight time for this song on, here's their metronome. Anyway, I'll play it. (laughs) If you're familiar with this song, it's not that slow. (laughs) It has the tempo as 41. So it's one, two, three, four, five, Six and then it starts over again. One, two. As you can see, that's like way too slow. Um, and so, a lot of people will put the tempo f- to you know one, two, three, four, five, six. So, if we do that, that's with the song here. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Now and now it's at the right tempo for the uh, song. So whenever you see you're in six eight and the tempo just seems like really too slow, more than likely it's a third too slow and you just need to multiply. Like this says 41 beats per minute. Roughly multiply that by three to get the actual song. So here's what I'll do. I'll... I'll Oh, that's roughly about, yeah, 123. And the reason why the confusion on that is because 4-4 four, four time, the beat is on the quarter note. On 6-8 time, the, uh, the beat is on the eighth note. There's six eighth notes to a measure. And so a lot of people read the... One, two, three, four, five, six, as being a, as being a uh, uh, quarter note, and so that's where this comes in. It's it's doing that every every three pulses of the eighth note. It's saying, oh, that must be the 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 
the uh, quarter note, so that's what we're going to do the tempo as. So just something to be on the lookout for is, on 6-8 time is that there's, <laughs> there's some misinformation out there. And what's funny, we even, um, I think we said, oh, well, that's, you know, that's not right. They've got it wrong on there. And somebody pulled it up on a, it might even been me on it, on another metrodome or, um, and it was, it was doing the same thing. Um, so there's, there's metronome apps out there that don't quite have six, eight time right either. So, um, just make sure you're on the, the lookout for that. So if a if song sounds too slow at the uh, metrodome speed that it has for, for, uh, for six, eight, just multiply it by three and you'll be fine. Segment four, a review of the Source Audio C4 bass synth pedal. And remember, bass frequencies don't project well from a smartphone speaker, and this segment will have bass frequencies. Just saying. All right, so a while back I got a Source Audio C4 bass pedal. It's a, it's actually a, a synth pedal. Um, trying to get the words out here, a synth bass pedal so that you, you know, you plug your bass in, you turn it on and it makes your bass sound like a synthesizer. Cool. All right. I like that. Um, fun to play around with. And out of all the synth bass pedals that are out there, I probably would have to say this is definitely the coolest and it's very advanced. It has a lot of features and the unfortunate thing is that I've really yet to find a use for it. Um, and it's not because of any, not because of the pedal itself. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not the pedal's fault. It's just the fact that after I got it, then our worship leader that was doing occasionally would throw in some EDM style praise songs uh, left. And so it, we're really not doing those types of songs anyway. And so it's like, I haven't really been able to find a use for it on, on, on the team. And, you know, sometimes I play around with it at home, but I mean, in all honesty, I'm a keyboard player and I've got tons and tons of synth plugins and, you know, experience with just about all the vintage analog synthesizers, you know, everything that's ever been built. I mean, so for me, you know, playing synth on a bass is just, honestly, it's a little weird. It's fun. It's fun. You know, you, you can, it, it's still kind of cool to, and really I've, I, I've tried almost to use it a little bit, almost like an overdrive because you can kind of get a if you you've got a blend knob on it so you can just get a little bit of like an, a, a kind of aggressive kind of synth sound and just kind of blend it slightly in so it almost sounds like it's a little bit like an overdrive but i haven't quite been able to get the the blend right on it or, or get the sound that works right because usually i can tell when i look over at my drummer if he gives me an ugly face like uh-uh turn that off <laughs> then i know it's not working so i haven't got i haven't got the approval face yet from my drummer so um it hasn't been used on the platform really at all i think i tried it once when i first got it but i was just forcing myself to use it just so i could see what it sounded like and i, I think it wasn't wasn't working right so um but anyway so yeah it's a great pedal but i just don't know how to use it yet I, I mean i know how to use it but i don't know how to use it within the context of our worship team and i'm really not sure it's going to really find a use 
So that's been a little bit uh, disappointing, but yet yeah, it's a great pedal. So let me tell you a little bit about it because maybe it might be something that you might be interested in getting. So if you're thinking about getting a synth bass pedal, definitely look at the Source Audio one. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a little pricey. I think it's around 250 or so. Um, and I know there's cheaper ones out there, but there's also ones around the same price range. Um, what's cool about it is that it's very deceptive you think, okay, it's just got four knobs on it, so this is a really simple device that doesn't do much, but that's not true. It's actually very advanced and you can do a ton with it. Because you've, you using a USB cable um, or like a, a, an audio cable actually that like that uh, connects to your iPad or your iPhone. You So you can use it with a computer, you can use it with iPad, you can use it with an iPhone. So either with iPhone or iPad, you're downloading an app. And then also there's software you can download for your computer. So either way, you can control it from any of those devices. And it's basically, if you're familiar with software synthesizers, it's basically the same thing. And I find it to be a, probably a little bit too much to try to edit on an iPhone. Um, I like seeing everything in front of me. So uh, when I'm editing it with so the software of it, I'm using my computer. And it's basically like using a software synthesizer. So if you've ever used a software synthesizer with a keyboard, it's the same kind of thing. And now you, you're, you've got literally, you know, a hundred different things that you can adjust from your computer screen with a mouse. Or again, if you're using a tablet or an iPhone, you know, by scrolling and using your finger and moving moving the knobs around so it's all virtual and that's really cool um, it's not so cool if you're trying to make adjustments on the fly um, you know during a service or something like that but you can pre-program certain features to two of the knobs so you can have those be assignable to whatever uh, parameters you want it to control um, and then you can also say you can you can have up to six sounds that you can save to presets on the device and then you can switch between them so you can preset it for whatever songs you know you're going to do and then assign the the assignable knobs to uh, whatever pr parameters you want to be able to make some tweaks to when you're at service and and go from there and that'll cover most of your bases in, in that in that regard. Um, but programming it, here's what's weird for me is that it, I find it a little difficult to play a bass with two hands and then stop and then reach over, use a mouse, make the adjustments that I want to make on the device, and then go back to my bass, play again, and then stop, reach over. It's just, it's, it's kind of a it's just not convenient for me. I'm used to being able to one hand be able to noodle on the keyboard and then the other hands, you know, clicking away at the mouse and making adjustments as needed. Or if it's a hardware synthesizer, one hand's noodling with the keys and the other hand's noodling with the knob. So, um, so for me, it's just, it's just kind of, it's like, I'm a, I'm a keyboard player. I mean, I can just, if, if I really, if we really need a synth bass part, I can just I can just bring a keyboard and, and play keys on the song and play synth bass. But anyway, it's cool. It's still a cool device. I'm going to try it out here for you or demonstrate it to you so you can hear what it sounds like. And I'm just going to noodle. I'm not going to do anything fancy with it. Um, but um, I'll kind of walk you through some of the features that it has and just how flexible of a device it is. 
All right, so here is, and I'm actually going to use the uh, the short scale base, the Ibanez short scale that I told you about. Uh, I'm going to use this on. Let's see here. Let me get the setting. Just kind of get it set. Okay, so here's the. This is the short scale base without the the uh, without the effect. Just so you hear what it sounds like natural. So anyway, that's, uh, that's without the effect. Now let's turn the source audio C4 on. And this is full on. Well, actually, let's do a blend. We'll do a blend of the two. We'll actually, actually, we do 20. This is 25% up on the source audio blend knob. You can kind of hear it a little bit, but it's it's not too much. So let me turn up a little bit more so you can hear it. So you're starting to hear it now. Let's go even further. Now we're at about 50%. Oops, I, that was, uh, actually that's rare that that happens, but it didn't track that note correctly. Now it's getting it. So now we'll go up 75%. And all the way at 100% up. So this is now just the effect and not the uh, bass tone. And so that is the blend knob. And I've got two assignable knobs here, and I'm just going to kind of randomly change them. That's a little bassy. Okay, now the other knob here. I don't know what they're assigned to. Obviously, some filter stuff. So, so that's one one of the presets or that I've got loaded into it. I don't know if I programmed that or if it's something that came stock with it because I did a lot of playing around. So here's another one. Okay, this is kind of a... kind of a extreme overdrive. Yeah, that's not very pleasant, is it? Nope. Aggressive sound there. Let's try a different one. So this is definitely a very drony. Okay, I just changed the filter. Yeah, that's very thick there. Okay, so I've got the uh, desktop application set up. It's the Neuron, I think is what they call it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm recording whilst on my laptop 
while using the Neuron editor, so I haven't tried doing this at the same time before, to see if um, it'll allow me to do both. But uh, basically, on the desktop editor, I've got my own presets that I've got saved, but then I can also go to the cloud, they've got a little cloud setting, and then I can access all of the presets that other people have uploaded to the cloud. Like for example, here's the first preset that comes up, it's called Fat Maxi Filter. So let's load this and see what happens. All right. Not too exciting. So let's try another one. These are just different ones that people have uh, uploaded. Oh, and this is this should be cool. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, also got built-in sequencer, so you can actually. Uh, program sequenced lines. I'm playing one note. <laughs> so you can, while well, I'm holding it out here. I'm changing the tempo. So as you can see, it's very um, powerful. Um, so you could actually program little synth patterns that you could just trigger just by playing one note. So that's pretty cool um, if you're into that kind of thing in a live situation. And this will be this actually would be a good preset to uh, work with because um, I can just hold one note and then make some tweaks while the uh, while the preset plays and. Looking at, let me move some things out of the way so I can see. There we go. Um, so, looking at the the app itself, or in this case, the desktop uh, program, the Neuron Desktop, um, it's got a number of different uh, sections to it. Um, one thing, it's it's not as pretty as my other software synthesizers. It's definitely very utilitarian in its display. It's There's nothing pretty about it, but, it, but it's definitely very functional, and it's got a lot to it. You actually got four different voices um, or oscillators that you can work with. You can assign each one to different waveforms. Like, uh, let me... Let's do this. Let's turn this. Is, this particular patch has all four on. Let's see. Okay, so that's just one. Okay, so this is a saw wave. Now let's change it to a sine wave. Now let's do some adjustments on it. It's got FM modulation. Um, it's got all kinds of stuff. And assign it to uh, different envelopes. So you've got envelopes that you can use to control the uh, the sound. If you don't know what all that means, I, I won't try and explain all that during this uh, segment. Uh, for some reason, it's not letting me pick square wave on this particular one. Okay, well, let's go to another one. Okay, this one is a square wave. There we go. So while that's playing, I'll go down here to, let's see, yeah, there's the sequencer, that's cool. So I can, it's a step sequencer, so I can program different sequence patterns. 
control distortion. I got distortion. I got here's my filtering. not assigning something right here because my changes are not making any impact but anyway it's got just in the filter section alone you've got everything from uh, good lord you've got uh, notch filters low pass filters high pass filters peak filters band pass uh, four pole filter four pole, four pole <laughs> filters six pole i mean you got i mean there's a ton of stuff in here so you've got multiple filters to to work with So one thing's cool about it is that uh, you, since you've got these, ah, good grief, this thing's noisy. So one of the cool things about it is, um, since you got those four voices, you can also um, detune each voice to a different, uh, a different uh, pitch. So you can actually create chords by playing one note and get all kinds of crazy, crazy stuff going on. Like this particular um, sound that I was doing right here. Oops, turn it back on. Ooh, yeah, see, so you get a lot of noise there. That's actually using an octave effect, so there's two different, there's an octave higher and an octave lower on the two different voices that are going on there. So you actually got a th three octaves of, uh, if I turn this down. hear it better when you go up higher so you can see we can really get some annoying <laughs> sounds with it uh, just by using these different uh, you know different voices that you can assign to different pitches and uh, it looks like my Siri is trying to talk to me I'm not doing nothing Siri leave me alone so yeah it, it's it can get a little crazy Yeah, so as you can see, yeah, it's fun to play around with, but I mean, are you really going to use something like that in a, <laughs> in a song? And no, you're probably not, but it's fun just to get a little crazy with and, and coming up with stuff and playing around with uh, all the different oscillators and the filters and the step sequencers and everything else. So yeah, why not? Thank you. 
So if you're into bass synth pedals, it's definitely something for you to uh, check into. Um, I know this demonstration has been limited because I just, uh, yeah, I just haven't been all that excited to play with it. I mean, yeah, it's fun to turn on and, and kind of hear your your bass sound like a synthesizer, but it gets a little gimmicky after a while. And, and so to me, I just find it fun just to actually have my bass sound like a bass and play along in a band and not get weird looks from people going like, what the heck are you doing over there? So yeah, I'm, I'm not the best person to demo it, but I can definitely give it a thumbs up if you're into this kind of thing. Um, and who knows, um, I might put mine up for sale since I'm not really that into it or using it that much. Um, or, or maybe not, maybe I'll, I'll convince myself to kind of really learn it and, um, get the uh, signal flow figured out so that I can, um, make use of it but anyway it's uh it's a fun toy um and so there you go all right that's it for another episode of the bass guitar worship blender podcast thank you so much for listening if you like this podcast make sure to give it a five-star review on apple and also recommend it to anyone else who you think might be uh, interested in listening to it also check us out on facebook at facebook.com forward slash bass guitar worship blender we also have a group there that you can join and also if you've got uh, any interesting stories uh, yourself as a bass guitarist on a worship team let me know and we'll see about getting you on on our average joe segment that we do as well so again thank you for listening god bless you